This is episode 22 of One Page at a Time, How We Read with Amanda Pilmer Roberts. In this episode, we talk about Amanda's unique career in both theaters and libraries, how her experience as a librarian has shaped her approach to reading with her daughter, what reading to a baby looks like in their family, and how she and her husband are both involved in reading with their daughter. We end it with a wonderful tip she gleaned from her school librarian days to help kids find books that they want and are able to read. This is Jill in Virginia. And Amanda in Dubai. We are here to help you read more often. Read at home. Read at school. Read with your kids. Read with your spouse. Read aloud. Read faster. Just read. We dig through the data, gather the anecdotes, and chat with the experts who can tell you why and how you should make books a bigger part of your life. We're on this journey along with you, bringing people and reading together, one page at a time. This week, we have another guest for our How We Read series. She's a semi-retired librarian, as she describes it, who has a great love of and talent for music, dance, and theater. She and I met years ago, the exact number doesn't matter, as freshmen in college, where we worked together making salads at the food court in the student center. Although our lives drifted apart a bit after college, our paths reconverged a few years later when we were both living in Washington, D.C. and both working as librarians. We've stayed in touch ever since, and I've watched her work through multiple postgraduate degrees, choreographed entire musicals and head off to Japan with her Navy husband. She's now living in California and has embarked on her latest great adventure, motherhood to a beautiful baby girl. We are so excited to chat about everything she's learned along her journey, so welcome Amanda Pilmer Roberts. Thank you. It's good to be here. It is so good to have you. I kind of gave a little bit of your background, but you probably know it more than me. So I'm kind of curious, what all did you get your various degrees in? I mentioned them in the intro. Yes. So I have an undergraduate in theater. plan was to go into theater for young audiences, children's theater at the time. And so I did a theater degree. While I was doing that, I worked in the music and dance library on campus. This was after the salad making. Salad making was freshman year and then the rest of the time was in the music and dance library. I really enjoyed that. didn't know that that was going to be my career, but I enjoyed it as a student job. It was a really great student job because they actually had you doing things, not just checking out books, but I was able to catalog and learn a lot of ins and outs of various library positions, which uh, was a really great learning opportunity to get me started. So then I became a fine arts librarian for a school district in the DC area and was able to do that while I worked on my master's in library and information sciences and then starting my master's in, it's officially a master's of arts in interdisciplinary studies with a concentration in American musical culture, which is a fancy made up way of saying I got a degree in musicology from a school that didn't have a musicology degree, so we made one up. So that, so your music, musicology, right? That's what yeah, you said? Basically music history. Music history. And that one came after your MLS, correct? Yes. Yes. The idea was to be an academic music librarian and they really prefer in the academic world that you have both your subject specialty degree and the, the library science degree. And so this is my way of doing that. I had no way of knowing at the time that that would, then I'd have to take, take a step back or take a different path of my career. But at least I have the piece of paper that did. And I, I remember that from when I was in school as well. I had friends, I was really impressed by them. I had a couple friends who were getting law degrees as well as their MLS, so they could be law librarians. And I thought like, that is such a huge thing to put into your career. A law degree is nothing to sneeze at. And no, they're going through all these years of law school to be a law librarian, as well as the years of library science to get their library science degree. And so I think people underestimate sometimes the time and study that librarians put into their careers. 
yes, you get the stereotypical, don't you get to read all day? If only. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so what in there, you kind of mentioned it, but is could you kind of talk about what made you want to be a librarian? I know you talked about working at the library in your undergrad, and that was kind of your introduction to it. Sure. Library has always been a part of my life, so it wasn't a strange deviation end up working in one, but to end up really enjoying it. So like I said, I, my original plan was to do children's theater, and I didn't get into the master's program I wanted. So the year after college, I did a lot of people do trying to figure out what to do with my life. And ultimately, um, a job opportunity came up that fit what I'd been doing in the library enough that they hired me. I don't know that I would have hired me in retrospect, but they hired me. So that's good. (laughs) And it allowed me to stay in the music library world, which as I explored it at that point, I accepted the job. I moved across the country, uh, took this big, huge leap of faith as far as where my career in life would go. And as I found it, I discovered there was this really great marriage of being, for me, in the music world as well as the like educational world. But I've never wanted to teach and I've never wanted to gig, which most performers would say are your two options. But I found like this middle road that allowed me to do both in a very unstructured, I mean, I'm sure there's still library bureaucracy, but I don't have to worry about grades. I didn't have to worry about you know lesson planning. I Eventually I would want to become a school librarian. That was a few years later. But as far as like big amounts of curriculum, and I have discovered there, you actually are ways you still have to do that, but not as much as like becoming a high school teacher, which is not your only option. It's not Broadway or a high school teacher. There are other options. And this was one of them. And so I ended up really, really loving it. And I kept me in, it gets in, in the library world to help with um, you know, self-discovery of education and providing that information and, and wayfinding. And it was really a really great fit. That is awesome. I love it. Love it. So you kind of have touched on it, but just to give us an idea, what are all the different types of libraries that you've worked in? So like I said, I was in the academic librarian in college, I'm a music and dance library. Then I was the district fine arts librarian in the D.C. area in Northern Virginia. And that was basically more like an ensemble library. And I provided scores for both vocal and instrumental ensembles for the schools. Instead of each of them having to have their own, they had access to mine. They could do both. Uh, that's what I did for a few years. And then eventually, thanks budgets, I had to move on. And I worked as again as a reference librarian in another academic institution in the D.C. area. And then I became a school librarian for a private Islamic school that was a K-12 school. And so that became more was back into lesson planning, which luckily I'd had a little bit of experience with uh, having taken a few education classes in college. And so I was a school librarian for three years in a K-12 system. And so again, that was a wide breadth. Usually you find school libraries and much smaller, but I had to do all of them. So kindergartners through 18-year-olds, it was a really interesting path. That is really interesting and really unique because you're right. Usually the school librarians are more concentrated with the age levels, more concentrated than that. And so I bet that kind of stretched your your abilities a little bit. It in that did. Job. Um, I can't say I'm like the best at collection development, but it was it's a collection development challenge and that you have to have something for every level. It also needed to be bilingual because it was an Islamic school that every student was expected to take Arabic. And so my collection was partially in Arabic and I don't speak Arabic or read it at all. And so I had to... Didn't really do as, as much collection development in that, but at least I was able to, on the English side of things, get things that supported that as much as possible and be at least aware of what I had and help. And, and then work together with teachers to help me organize the stuff I couldn't read or do. So it was a really, it was a really challenging, really interesting few years uh, as far as what I was asked to do in this library. 
That's awesome. That is so awesome. So you had all those different experiences. And then with your husband, you moved out of the country when he got stationed in Japan. And so I'm curious now, now that you kind of are on a different phase of your life, is there anything from your years of working in libraries and your schooling and everything that has kind of helped or guided you or your reading habits personally, or even with your daughter now? Uh, well, it made me comfortable in any library. I can walk into any library and find what I'm looking for. And I sometimes I have to ask, but mostly I was really comfortable walking into a new library space. Now, trying to figure out different grocery stores in different countries has been a different adventure. Because, no rhyme or reason, but uh, coming back to... <laughs> Coming back to the States, like, wait, you have this many tortillas? Um, and anyway, so that's fun. But libraries, I'm super comfortable walking into those and finding what I need. It's instilled in me, even though I've had lulls in reading where I haven't been reading, including now where I'm not reading as much personally as I would like to, at least it's still on my radar and it's still something I try to go to somewhat regularly. I'm not, we don't go weekly yet. We don't, I wouldn't even say that we've been able to go monthly, but it's still a priority. And having books in our home, as well as the, the opportunity to go to the library, as well as just the knowledge that, you know, in the future, if she has a question, um, or I have a question. I know how to look it up and I know how to find the answer. I always say the librarians don't know everything. We just know how to find it. And I'm excited for those opportunities, both again, personally, and then eventually for her that we can use these resources to look together. And so even if I don't necessarily work in the library for a little bit, I don't know what that's going to look like. That's why I say semi-retired right now. I'm not working. I almost volunteered at the library in Japan, but then it never worked out for whatever reason. But at least it's, it's still part of my world and reading and information and learning is all still very important to me as a person. And then as well as for my daughter. I think that's really interesting, the connection you made between being comfortable in the library and using the library. And for whatever reason, I hadn't really thought about it before. And that this is a huge resource that if somebody is not comfortable with it or doesn't understand it, they're not going to use it. And so that's part of why we're doing what we're doing. We want to get the information out there and help people be comfortable and excited about these resources. Definitely. So with your daughter, how old is she now? She's eight months. Eight months and Eight months. one week today. Ah, delightful. Delightful. So have you started reading with your daughter yet? I have. Not only have we started reading, but she already has her own library card. No way. That's <laughs> awesome. I got one for a few months ago after we moved back here, and I like to check out books under her name just for her record. I wouldn't say we get to read every single day because she hasn't shown individually like, her own interest in them, but she gets excited when we pull a book out and I try to keep it at the very least part of her bedtime routine, uh, reading a book to her. And we have books all over that we do try to read during the day every now and then, but uh, we're getting more and more into it. And she does, she looks like she's listening and watching the book and enjoying herself. So that's a start. It is a huge start. And I don't think there, I think there are people who don't realize how important it is to start that early because you get in the habit. If your kids aren't used to you sitting down and reading, if you wait until they are ready to sit and listen to that entire book, then they're going to be like, what's going on? Even though she's not able to tell you this is the book I want right now, or if that's coming, it's coming sooner than you would think. Yeah. That importance of starting that early and forming the habit for you and for her to get her used to it and to have this thing to look forward to, this comfortable, sweet, peaceful moment with her parents. Mm -hmm. So what does kind of reading with your baby look like at this stage? You said she's eight months old. A lot of people are like, what's the point of reading to an eighth month old? So I think it would be helpful to kind of get an idea of, of what it looks like at this age and what you can expect. Uh, mostly we're having her sit on one of our laps. And if 
we're both there, it's uh, usually that she'll sit on one of our laps, the other person will read, or she'll sit on our lap and we'll read with her. We usually pick shorter books, uh, just because, I mean, I have no idea exactly what her attention span is, so I have some that are a little bit longer, and we just, I, it's just what we're feeling of the day. We go with short ones, with good pictures, especially high contrast, that seems to be getting some, to get some good interest in that, white pages with really good colorful uh, images, and we just read, and she's, right now, she's not pulling at the pages too much and skipping parts, I really appreciate that, because I know that'll come, but it's all board books anyway, so too much damage, and then sometimes she tries to eat the book, and that's fine, but it, so far, it's, it's modeling that good reading behavior, we sit down, we read a book, gets that, gets our attention, and we're reading all sorts of books, and I'm still, personally, I'm trying to read different books, so that for me, I'm not getting bored about reading the same one book 27 times, I'd much rather read 27 books, and so that keeps it a little bit interesting for me right now, and then when we get to the phase where she wants to read the same book 27 times in half an hour, we will, and that'll be fine. So when you're kind of talking about that, you, you're talking about we. So I'm curious, is your husband involved in reading with your daughter? Yes, he is. He's even bigger of a reader right now. I mean, again, everybody goes through different phases. He gets to read a lot more fun stuff right now than I do, um, or gets to makes more time for it than I do. He's very much into reading with her. He likes being part of our bedtime routine. So we'll kind of not officially trade off. It's like, well, you read last night. I'll read. We just think, you want to read tonight? Sure. And so he'll be part of that with reading to her. Um, he's also, we've started reading The Princess Bride. We haven't read that for a few weeks, actually, but that we're trying to even just start reading chapter books that she probably has absolutely no interest in. But even if we're all three of us are there at least he and I are reading that book together and he's never read it so that's been a fun adventure for him to hear him reading this book out loud that he's never read before that I have and whether or not she's getting anything out of it at least it's family togetherness time and, and will eventually turn into hopefully something that she loves as well um, but it's she's he's definitely into it as much as we are or she and I are that is awesome and really inspiring. And I love that you're reading. I I read Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter to my first son when he was probably about your baby's age. But it was just me. It was it was me. My husband is a big nonfiction. He doesn't really love novels. He only has a handful that he likes. Um, so I love this image of both of you having this novel that you're excited in and you know what's coming. So you kind of can know as uh, as your husband is getting to, to the good parts. And that's just sounds so delightful as a family and such a good experience. It is. It's a lot of fun. We need to pick that back up because like I said, it's been a few weeks since we've read that one. As my husband just started reading Treasure Island to our two older kids and my kids call it the scary book. <laughs> Because I think my husband talked it up in such a way. That's one of the few novels that he loves, by the way. We got Treasure Island. We got Call of the Wild. But so he started reading it to the kids. And so now they keep asking for the scary book. And I actually, can I admit, I don't think I've ever read Treasure Island before. I don't think I have either. I think I own it, but I have not read it. We definitely own it. I think we have two copies. And I've seen Muppet Treasure Island, if that counts. Yes, um, of course. Some of the storyline. So anyway, I just think it's funny that this is their their scary book that they're reading. And they're so proud. And they feel so grown up reading it with dad. And that they get to read this big grown up scary book. That's fun. But they know they're so, safe because they have dad. Yes. And to have this moment with dad. Exactly. Yeah. Now, this is just kind of a, a question that occurred to me while you're talking. But did you you and your husband talk about what reading once you had kids was going to look like in your family or did it just sort of naturally occur? Uh, probably a little bit of both. We never had a formal sit down. This is how we will read to our child. 
just that we knew we would. I mean, I personally have been collecting books to read to my children eventually for a very long time, even before I was married and even had any prospects in that. And I'd collect a few series of books. I'm like, well, I really love the Little House series. I know I read the very first Anne of Green Gables, but I never read the rest of them. And I found the whole set at a book sale. So I got that one. Like, okay, I'll read this. It might be really fun to read to a kid one day. It's very hopeful that I'd be able to do that. I have a collection of fairy tales and a bunch of kids' books that I've loved over the years for myself. And that eventually, now that I have one, I think that collection doubled in size almost immediately. And so we collected books knowing that we both grew up in homes with all these books that we'd just be able to put random things off the shelves, even if we weren't going to the library and get to read all sorts of things. Um, and so that's the kind of books and the libraries we've, the library we've curated for ourselves and we're willing to, thank heaven someone else is paying for the moving and moving it for us, but willing to move all over the world. Um, so we have access to that here in our homes and that she can read to herself eventually, but that we, we knew that we wanted to read to her as well. And how that worked and how that will work will continue continue to work it out. I did, thanks to hearing about it somewhere else, but also from this podcast, I have picked up a copy of the Read Aloud Handbook that I want to actually read and get some more ideas as well. Because even though I've been a librarian, I've been around kids reading, and I've been a kid reading myself, I'm sure there's still strategies and ideas that I could pick up and use in our own life. It is such a wonderful resource. And as soon as I found out about it, I was like, where has this been all my life? And I already had three kids when I found it. And it still is such a good resource for me. And so I definitely think there are amazing things in there that you're going to find and it's going to be encouraging to you and just help you on that journey. So I'm so glad you have a copy of it. Yes. And I've got notifications. So my daughter also has her own, um, shall I say, quote unquote, bookstagram account. It's an Instagram account. We're trying to keep track of her books. I haven't been great at about it, but Cindy Georges just started following her. So I think those are great ideas. I had never thought about starting those things with my kids so early. Like what you were saying with getting her the library card too, but to do those things and to be able to start those habits, I think is a wonderful idea. Yeah, at her yeah. age. I don't know that we'll be able to keep it up, but it is fun to log her books. We have her on Goodreads. We have the library has a way to log books, not just the books that she's checked out. But we have a reading that they've done the thousand books before kindergarten program. So even if whether or not we keep it up, I hope we do. But that's one thing we've been trying to get a hold of. And so that way, I would love to know what all books I read when I was a kid. And every now and then I'm like, there's a book I read and it looked, it's the quintessence. It was was blue and then the librarian figures it out which is a miracle but even as a librarian there's still a few books that in my memory I don't remember what that book was called and I would love to find another copy so we're keeping that track for her and hopefully she'll do it herself and then we can have an idea of what she's read her whole life tracking my own books for the last 10 years has been fun she could do her whole life even better that is awesome and I agree with you for keeping track of those books because I have people who ask me for recommendations of books for their kids and I'm like I know I read some fabulous books recently to my kids but I have no idea what they are So I've recently started kind of writing down and and tracking some of the books, but I just have this Google document, which is not nearly as handy as Goodreads. So I think I might steal your idea and maybe set up a a Goodreads account for my kids to track those things. Do it, because that's how I do recommendations all the time. Like, good historical fiction. Go look my historical fiction tag and, oh yes, this one, that's what it was called. Here's the author. So speaking of book recommendations, I am curious, are you reading anything that you're excited about right now? Or have you read anything with your daughter recently? that you have been excited about? Uh, one thing I think is fun is there's a author named Chris Ferry and he's done these uh, baby genius books. Uh, it's like the ABCs. I'm looking at it right now from across the room, but I can see the ABCs of physics, the ABCs of science, quantum physics for baby. Uh, and it's super, super simplified, broken down uh, principles of science and physics. And we're not a huge, we're not scientists ourselves. And so this is actually probably the right around the level of how to understand quantum physics for ourselves. And even though she's probably not getting anything out of it yet, 
it, we have it. And some of these books are actually leveled in in of self. So there's the ABC books have just ABCs. And then if you want to read it again, you can read the definition of the book or definition of the word. Sorry. And then a third level that's right there on the same page is a paragraph about what that means and how to apply it. And so this book will grow with her and maybe she'll become a physicist and teach us all more. But it's though I think those have been a lot of fun. The illustrations are adorable. We have a couple of books like that. And those are my favorites lately as far as new finds that she came along. And then also just having some of my old favorite standbys and my favorite, very favorite book. And I actually don't know if I've read it to her and I should probably fix this is The Little Mouse, The Big Hungry Bear and The Red Ripe Strawberry. That's my personal favorite from growing up and I'm excited to read that to her one day too. Okay, those sound awesome. And uh, they're actually ones that I have not heard of before. And that makes me excited to go look them up and give me this whole new author that I haven't delved into. I love finding authors that I love and, and reading their whole repertoire and finding all the books that they've written. And so this gives me a new one and hopefully anyone who's listening out there has some new new books to look into as well. And since your son loves nonfiction, he might just jump right into these books as well. Yes. Yes. And since I am not a nonfiction person, I really struggle sometimes finding books. So he's in school now. And when I take the younger girls to the library while he's at school, he gives me a list of, of topics that he wants me to find books about so that he still gets books from the library when we go without him. And so I have, he just tells me like Arctic foxes and rockets and <laughs> just awesome. this random list of things. And I have to go. So I look him up on the computer and I try and find ones that are sort of in his reading level, but still with lots of cool pictures. Anyways, so I've, I struggle sometimes filling his request list. I like having a recommendation of, of tried and true. These are good options. So thank you. You're welcome. All right, Amanda, do you have something for everybody to get started with this week? Yes. Do you mind that I have two, in fact? You know what? I think we'll allow it. <laughs> thank you. So my first one is just to just to do it. Um, you may not think that they're getting anything out of it. I know I feel that way sometimes, uh, but I'm getting stuff out of it. But I found a quote a friend that mine, a friend of mine sent, I think shortly before I had my daughter and it is the man the crazy thing about babies is that like some people would think that reading a baby a book about farm animals is teaching them about farm animals but really it's teaching them about the concept of a book and how there's new information on each page of a single object but really beyond that it's teaching them about how language works and beyond that it's really actually teaching them about human interaction and really really it's them learning about existing in a three-dimensional space and how they can navigate that space but actually above all it is teaching them that mama loves them that is so beautiful and just makes my heart happy. <laughs> I I think that's a really wonderful principle that it, books are about so many different things, but mostly it's also just about that love that you have for your children. And it's another way to share something with them. And, and they know that and they appreciate that. Then on a practical side, one of the things I would teach my kids at the school is a concept called pick. And this is how to pick books that you're interested in, but that are in your reading level. And I've never been a librarian to say that, no, you cannot read. You're only in third grade. You can't read a fifth grade reading level because who am I to say that? Instead, I them correct principles and let them guide themselves. And in this case, uh, we use the acronym PIT which P is for purpose, I is for interest, C is comprehension, and K is no. So P is purpose. What do you want to read for? Do you want to read to be entertained? Do you want to read to learn something? Do you want to do a little bit of both? So whether you're going for fiction or nonfiction, what it is it? What is it that you want to read and why? Interest is then, is it something you're interested in? I know many, there's the quintessential horse girl that read all the books about horses growing up. That was never me. I don't read, but I don't, doesn't really do anything for me. So I don't really pick any book about horses, but give me an 
uh, fantasy set set in this world uh, like Harry Potter I'm all over it so something you're interested in if it's not something you're interested in you're not gonna it won't keep, keep your attention uh, then comprehension is you want to be able to know you're gonna understand it and be able to read it which is why like the ABCs of physics is so good because you can understand it at different levels throughout growing up but how are you going to know you're gonna read the whole book by just looking at it and that's where no comes in is do you know the words on the page and what you can do is the five finger rule as you're reading you put your hand in a fist and every time the first page or two you're reading a, a book if you come across a word you don't know you put a finger up and after two pages five fingers up that's five words you don't know and while it's good to read with a dictionary and learn a few new words that might be too many words to look up it'll keep you out of the book one or two that might be a little bit too easy but two or three meaning you have two or three words you didn't know you have a few new words you can learn as you go either by context or by looking up in the dictionary as you go so you're going to learn something but you do know enough that it'll keep your interest and you'll stay in the book more than wondering what in the world it's talking about and so it's so if they use this pick acronym to know how to pick good book beyond what three or four different reading level levelers out there say this is a book for third graders this is a book for six-year-olds everybody six-year-old reads at a different level and so letting their six-year-old figure out for themselves this is what I can read using that acronym I think will help them find the things that will keep their interest and keep them reading I can totally see where that would come in handy as your time as a school librarian but I also love that it can be used at home with our kids that knowledge and that skill that you have now that you get to pass on to your kids and to be able to help them because that's going to make them love reading because they'll read books that aren't frustrating them and that aren't boring to them and that's what we want because that's what's going to make them fall in love with reading yes exactly we can't always just read what we want to read they want they need to read what they want to read my husband and I have different reading habits and sometimes those overlap a lot of times they don't and for all we know her habits as long as she's reading that's good with us we definitely agree over here at one page at a time so we are so glad that you came and chatted with us and got us more excited about reading and especially that patience that it takes to read with babies and we hope people hear your experience and know that it just you just do it and it's doing something even if you can't tell and even if you it doesn't seem like it so thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today amanda my pleasure thank you for inviting me How we read interviews are so much fun for me to hear. I love reflecting on the different ways that people respond to books in their families and reading since we're all so different in so many ways. And Amanda Pilmer Roberts, not me Amanda, but this Amanda, (laughs) is at such a formative time in their family, building habits that will hopefully build their family well for many, many years to come. I feel like reading to a baby isn't always easy and it really can feel like it's pointless sometimes. Sometimes it's fun, but especially before they start interacting with you and smiling and laughing and and things. Sometimes it just seems really pointless, but I'm glad that we heard from her to remind us all the importance of laying the foundation of reading, regular reading, getting the books, building your library. And it's also great to know that she had been anticipating the importance of reading to her baby before she was even married, which is surely indicative of the consequences that come from reading or not from the very beginning. This was a really interesting How We Read interview for me to do as it happened to be someone I had known for so long. I met the other Amanda when I was 17 years old and we were both separated for a few years after our undergraduate days, but more years have been spent in contact with each other than not since we met. So I have seen her make a transition from college student to professional and now mother and have seen what in her life has stayed constant through all those phases. As you can tell, reading is definitely one of the constants as you would expect from a library 
librarian. And speaking of librarian, one thing that I loved talking with Amanda about was remembering all the different types of libraries that she's worked in. I had completely forgotten some of them, even though I was there talking to her about it while they happened. So we saw each other a fair bit when she was working as a school librarian for that Arabic school here in DC. And I remember being so fascinated by the story she would tell me about it. I mean, it was picture your school librarian, but then have the the Arabic and so many of the students were Muslim and, and to have that element in it, it was just such a neat experience for me to kind of vicariously experience it through her. There, there are types of libraries that I had no idea existed until I was in graduate school. Um, for instance, I once got a job offer to be a cat cataloger in the library of an engineering firm. And I almost wish I had accepted the offer just so I could tell everyone what exactly a kind of collection they have at an engineering firm library. But it was definitely not the right fit for me. <laughs> so we we live in mystery to this day as to what is in their collection. But there are so many more kinds of libraries in the world than most people realize. And I think it's really good to get the word out there that libraries aren't dying. They're alive and well and all around us and in places that you would never imagine, like a office building of an engineering firm. Yeah, I didn't know that law. I mean, you know that law offices or law offices. Well, yes, law offices do exist. Thank Surprise. You. But, <laughs> but you, you know, you know, or you hear or at least, you know, on TV shows like Suits that you see these libraries in law offices, but you don't think that there might be a librarian yeah. who's there to help people find, you know, you hear about the paralegals, but you don't know that there are actual librarians hired to these different positions. And and even when I met you, Jill, you were working at an archive in a Smithsonian Museum, and I had no idea that a museum would have a librarian working at it either. There are just you're everywhere. We are. You librarians are everywhere. We, are. <laughs> we would not expect it, but we really are. The corporate world, the museum world, obviously the education world, but we're all over. It's good. It's it's comforting to know that there are people who love books and can help you find the books that you need no matter where you go. It's nice. But not being a librarian myself, I now think about librarians differently after working with you, Jill. And I now have a new layer of context for the experience and knowledge that librarians have have in all of these different libraries that I had no idea existed. But one of the things that I appreciate most is the love that librarians have for books. And that's something we can all develop. And I've mentioned before on the podcast that I'm returning to reading after a long hiatus. And it's almost that there is a hole that's being filled the more that I'm reading. And this year, I've really set a goal to read more. I'm seeing results in my life about just all sorts of different things. I'm sure that that can be a blog post later. But these days, I sometimes get a bit jealous of those who have been reading throughout their whole lives. And I'm glad that we're able to jump back into reading no matter where we are or were. And hopefully we can internalize this both for us as individuals and for our children and families, no matter their ages as well. So even though we're talking with Amanda about reading to a baby, if you have teenagers, if you have college students, if you have a husband, if you are on your own, it can really be something that we can develop a love for books and 
develop these habits of reading daily so that we can start to see the benefits or continue to see the benefits in our lives and in the lives of our families, our loved ones, and those that we care for. I love how equally Amanda and her husband kind of take on that role of reading as well. Um, I know it's going to differ in every family and every relationship, but they definitely they definitely have that really good balance between the two of them. And I loved picturing it as this family activity, like when Amanda talked about how they were reading The Princess Bride together. Um, and it reminded me of a night in our household a couple weeks ago. I was in the nursery trying to get our youngest to sleep. And my husband usually takes over the older two while I'm in with the baby. And um, it's never a quiet process putting the kids to bed. But I heard a, a bigger than usual commotion out in the hallway. And I figured it was just our middle girl just not wanting to go to bed. Um, but it turns out it was actually her choking on a tortilla. She had shoved the whole tortilla in her mouth and was choking. And my husband having to get it out and, you know, take care of that. And so when I came out of the nursery, the door to the older kid's door was closed, door to their room was closed, and he had them settled in bed and was reading Treasure Island, which is one of his favorite novels out loud to them. And I, and I actually stood outside of the door for several minutes just listening to them. And I couldn't see them, but I knew exactly what they looked like. I'm very familiar with their room. And I just, I was picturing what it looked like and felt like in that room as he was reading to them. And I love that, that he had used this as a way to calm all three of them down. I'm sure that he was stressed out after that experience. My daughter was stressed out. I'm sure that our son was stressed out watching it. Um, and I was so grateful that he had chosen reading to them at that time that he had to spend with them that night. And later on, I was also grateful to him for saving our daughter's life, but I didn't learn that part till later. And just seeing that whole picture and that whole experience of that was his time with them and that was his thing was an incredibly touching thing for me. And I think that a lot of families feel that and experience that. That's such a good story. And I don't want, and I will be the first to admit that I do not always practice what I'm about to preach here, but it's so easy in a situation like that where the parent is stressed to hand your child a screen and to use that as the calming effect. But the benefit of reading aloud to your child or with your child is that there's a bonding experience that goes on as well as the calming effect. And you're not likely to get that, you know, from handing over an iPad or a phone or something. And just to have that image of turning from a chaotic, stressful situation into a calm situation before everyone is supposed to be going to sleep. It's just such a good example. And I feel like, you know, when this ship is sinking, you're not going to be able to rely on habits that aren't there. So, so if you're able while things are smooth sailing and you have, you know, one baby even or just when you have, you know, a young baby and you start building these habits and both of you are accustomed to hearing your own voice and to reading aloud and the knowing what your children like and what each child, you know, favorite authors or there are so many different things that can start when when things are calm and when things are going well. And then when something happens and someone's choking on a tortilla, then you really can rely on this on this habit that you've built. And it's not something that's weird. It's something that's an instinct that, you know, how exactly. And familiar to the kids. So they know they know what to expect and they know that it's something that will be. Exactly. Oh, and it, and it works. 
you know, there are so many of us that are not calmed down by reading, you know, our mind goes elsewhere or whatever happens that, you know, we can't focus and it's not therapeutic and it's not relaxing. And, you know, how can we get ourselves to that, to that point? And I think a lot of it is just developing a love for books. And that takes sometimes time. It takes repetition. It takes habit. It takes building up from, from nothing. And it takes coming back to reading from wherever we may have been, you know? So I, it's such a good groove that Amanda's family is getting. And we can look at the research and know that their relationship as husband and wife is benefiting from reading aloud together, as well as strengthening their bond with their daughter. All of the cognitive physiological effects as well that comes with reading aloud. And for more on that, we recommend the Enchanted Hour and the Read Aloud Handbook. Definitely you want those in your library for sure. And that reminds me actually that Amanda Pilman Roberts was the winner of our Read Aloud Day. She was. And yes, so it's really fun to have gotten to talk with her about how she reads in her family. And we know that she has both copies of the Read Aloud Handbook and the Enchanted Hour now. <laughs> so that's that's great. Um, we are so grateful for Amanda's thoughts and example, and we would love to know your thoughts as well. So please help us out. Spend a few minutes, go on to Apple Podcasts, and rate one page at a time. This helps more people find the podcast and helps us to create more content as a result. And that's really what we want to be doing. We want to be giving you the best resources and connecting you with what you need so that you can be successful as you are reading in your homes and with the people that you love. Thanks for listening to us and we will talk with you again next week.